the field of human conflict, but so much owed by so many to so few. Welcome to another week at Radio UF. We're, we're very happy to be back with this episode named The Decline of Artsakh and the Rise of Nagorno-Karabakh. We will explain why we chose exactly this title and not anything else. I am here in the studio with Elisabeth Jan. Hello, Elisabeth. Hello, Laura. Thank, Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us one week more. Um, for those of you who listen to us for the first time, this is the second of a series of two episodes. So if you haven't listened to the first one yet, I highly recommend that you go to studentradion.com and that you listen to the first part that we will upload in the following days. And uh, for this episode, uh, we're also having the contribution of Maria Pashalnovgren, SVTS correspondent uh, in Azerbaijan, Armenia, Russia, and 10 more countries uh, in uh, this region. Uh, our colleague at the radio, Oskar Hemberg, uh, went met with her and interviewed her, as well as Rasmus Kambek, independent Swedish journalist uh, specialized in post-Soviet post Uh, areas uh, that Shastin Sigvarsson, who is helping us with the technical aspects of this program here in the studio, is. Um, so, yeah, uh, we have uh, around one and a half minutes before the break, Elizabeth, and I would like to you to tell the speakers a little bit about you, what's your background, how long have you lived in Sweden, where you're from, etc. Yes, sure. So my name is Elizabeth. I'm French uh, with Armenian roots. Uh, both of my parents are from Armenia. So I'm really attached to this culture and it's really close to my heart to speak about this uh, subject uh, in Radio UF. Uh, so I'm an exchange student here in Sweden for a year uh, and it's going really well. Um, so yes, that's pretty much all. Thank you. And we are going to hear a lot of Elizabeth's perspectives personally uh, regarding Armenia and the diaspora. Uh, and also we're going to talk about the destruction of patrimony and uh, humanita the humanitarian crisis following the events of the 28th of September. And uh, the first episode uh, is touching more upon the historical background and geopolitical issues involving Russia and uh, other big actors in the regions, also like the response uh, from the West. Thank you for listening. This was Mer Mankutsan Tangun by Tingran Mansurian, a famous Armenian composer. Um, 
I spoke to one of the peace activists yeah. after the war in 2020. Mm. Uh, he's a political scientist and he said, okay, now hopefully we will see a shift in the rhetorics from uh, Aliyev. Yeah. Uh, because he won the war in 2020 and maybe he can tone down the external enemy thing with the Armenians and yeah. so on. Uh, instead, he turned it up. Hmm. Uh, so the Armenian, so the external enemy became even more important in Azerbaijan because yeah. they uh, they got a blood of tooth, kind of. I see. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so I think it will con- it will continue. You know, yeah. despite you know they're saying one thing in the, di- the diplomatic room, they are very good at this in Azerbaijan. You know, yeah. they're saying one thing in diplomacy and one thing internally. So what you just listened to is a fragment from Shestin's Sigvarsson with Rasmus Kambek. And he is talking about the um, relationship uh, between the Assyrians and the Armenians in the region. And I think it's a very complicated issue that we went a little bit in. We mentioned last week, but we didn't go enough into detail. Um, but the animosity between Assyrians and Armenians has historical roots and it often manifests in the destruction of cultural and historical sites. And this destruction is not just loss of heritage, but it also serves as a tool in the conflict, uh, aiming to erase the historical presence of Armenians. Um, and it's a way to assert dominance for Assyrians. Um So maybe you can answer, Elizabeth, uh, to the following question. What kind of patrimony was destroyed and how can it be uh, viewed uh, as maybe a preclude to the ethnic cleansing that we witnessed in September? Sure. Uh, So the conflict between uh, Armenia and Azerbaijan has led to the destruction of numerous cultural and historical sites, as you mentioned, especially religious ones, because Armenians are really associated with with this Christian Christian country. So one important example can be the Razan Shezots, a cathedral, a famous Armenian apostolic cathedral in Shushi that was damaged uh, during um, the 2020 Nagorno-Karabakh war. So this cathedral dating back to the 19th century is a really significant cultural and religious symbol for Armenians. And by destroying these religious sites, uh, we can really see a preclude to ethnic cleansing as it involves erasing the physical markers of a community's historical and cultural presence in that region. Um, and Elizabeth, um, can you tell us about this anecdote that you told us off air about the UNESCO not being allowed to visit the area and make a report? Yes. So first, uh, you need to know that UNESCO has repeatedly expressed concern about the pro- protection of cultural heritage in the Nagorno-Karabakh region. Um, however, accessing the region has been challenging due to the ongoing hosti- hostilities and political complexities. Still two weeks ago, uh, that's what I told you before, Azerbaijani authorities have forced UNESCO to cancel its visit to Artsakh. Uh, the news says that UNESCO applied for a visit to the Rakharaba region and the official Baku agreed with the proposal of the fact-finding mission of UNESCO to go to Stepanakert by passing through Ardam in order to document the destruction that happened during the Armenian occupation. So they're really reversing the role. Armenians destroyed our patrimony. So UNESCO refused, of course, this proposal and expressed its desire to go to that city to assess the condition of the monument in Stepanakert. 
This reminds me of an anecdote from a Rasmus interview that mentioned that uh, the journalists that needed to go to, into Azerbaijan territory, then it needed to be under Azerbaijani terms. Um, but uh, what does this mean for the Armenians, this destruction of patrimony? Mm, I think it's uh, really difficult for Armenians to see their patrimony destroyed because they really represent their culture, their history, their uh, heritage, legacy. Uh, as I said before, uh, religion is like intertwined with the Armenian culture. Christianity is related to Armenians. So by destroying these churches, they're really attacking like the heart of, uh, of the Armenian culture, which is Christianity. Thank you, Elizabeth. Uh, really interesting. You're listening to Radio UF via Student Radio 98.9. And we're back in the studio and uh, a bit of a um, recap of the situation in Nagorno-Karabakh um, in the September this year, 2023. So it started with a blockade of the area and this led to a hunger and water crisis in Nagorno-Karabakh when the ethnic cleansing of Armenians started and the, all, the Armenia, uh, all the Armenian people in the area had to flee. So first of all, some terminological clarification. Uh, ethnic cleansing is used to describe efforts to establish a homogenous region by removing members of other ethnic groups, often through force or intimidation. In the context of Nagorno-Karabakh, accusations of ethnic cleansing have been made by both Armenians and Azerbaijanis against each other at different times throughout the history of the conflict. And after 2020, there have been concerns about the safety and rights of Armenian populations remaining in the territories that came under Azerbaijani control. Reports of blockades, as well as limitations or access to essential services, have already raised alarms about the well-being of these populations. But the exodus of all Armenians, as it is uh, provoked, is truly an illustration of another ethnic cleansing attempt against Armenians. We're going to listen to what Maria Persson-Lovgren told us on this subject. Armenia also has the neighbor of uh, Georgia, and Georgia is also a, a basically a Christian country. So, and they have a lot of uh, exchange, and it's not so far geographically. And it could be that uh, their cooperation will increase more because they are sort of the Christian islands in in uh, the area so uh, even if we could s before see them as sort of alone i think that uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that they will be totally alone because they also have georgia close by and of course now he is leaning more towards west so both um, you had a visit just after when the refugees left, you had a visit of a, of a French uh, foreign minister who came and, and promised uh, both humanitarian aid and also aid to, to militarize uh, Armenia. So it's clearly uh, so that uh, the diaspora in France has an influence on uh, the French uh, foreign policy because France is very involved in the fate of Armenia. Elizabeth, I would like to hear your thoughts because you're both... We listened to Maria mention 
uh, both the support from the French foreign minister towards Armenian, but also support from Georgia. So uh, what what are your thoughts on her comment? Well, I think Georgia sharing borders with both Armenia and Azerbaijan has tried to more maintain a balance in its own relations with these two neighbors. Uh, its ability and willingness to intervene directly in the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict were uh, in that sense limited. Um, Georgia's primary concern in the region has been to prevent the spillover of the conflict onto its own territory. As such, uh, it has often acted as a neutral party rather than a supporter of one side. So I would say that I disagree with what Mario Persson said, uh, because we can directly think of Georgia as an ally to Armenia because they're Christians, but religion cannot really justify politics. For example, Iran is a Muslim country, but they end up... uh, helping Armenia a lot. So I don't think we should um, mix these two. Thank you so much. And now we're going on another music break. Listening to... Menkenk Mersarida by Inga Yanush, which means we are our mountains. And we are back. That was Menkenk. By Inga uh, I hope it had you dancing as much as it had us dancing here in the studio. Uh, and now we're moving on to a very interesting part uh, of uh, this social, uh, you know, uh, phenomena, I would say, because it's not everywhere that you see a community as strong as diasporas. And uh, we didn't have time before the break to discuss the part about French support in Armenia. And I would like to ask you, Elizabeth, why France? Why do you think this is? Uh, Well, I think the fact that France uh, holds one of the largest uh, Armenian diaspora in the world uh, can have an influence on the country's foreign policy. Uh, For instance, French political leaders often engaged with the Armenian diaspora and have expressed solidarity on issues critical to Armenians. Uh, But it's important to note that France's foreign policy decisions are also significantly uh, influenced by their broader diplomatic relations with Armenia. And do you think that the French foreign policy surrounding Nagorno-Karabakh was affected by the large diaspora then? Um, Well, as I said before, I think it uh, had an influence uh, to some extent, but it's not the main factor. And uh, what can be said about the diaspora in different countries? Um, Because I know that there is a big Armenian diaspora uh, in Russia and the US, for example. Yes. Uh, So the Armenian diaspora in Russia is the largest one in the world. Um, However, the Russian maintains uh, strategic relationships with both Armenia and Azerbaijan. Uh, Therefore, the Armenian community in Russia has less space, let's say, to express itself, as Russia's policies are primarily driven by its regional strategic interests. On the other hand, um, the U.S. has a substantial and active uh, Armenian community, particularly in states like California. Um, This diaspora has been pretty effective in lobbying for U.S. recognition of the Armenian genocide, for example, and raising awareness uh, about issues affecting Armenia. Um, And maybe some of you listening to the program don't know this, but for example, the Kardashians, they are also part of the diaspora. Uh, But not only, there's also the iconic French 
singer Charles Aznavour, uh, to name a few. I think you know some others, right, Elizabeth? Yeah. Um, of course, many celebrities with Armenian roots, such as uh, Kim Kardashian, you mentioned, Serge Tankian also, who's the singer of System of a Down, Cher and Charles Aznavour, uh, they all have played a significant role in raising global awareness about Armenian issues, um, including the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict. Uh, the three first celebrities I mentioned, uh, they have, uh, especially used their important social media presence to draw attention uh, to the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict, to inform and to mobilize support for Armenian causes. Uh, and before his death, of, of course, uh, Charles Aznavour was not only a famous singer, but also a prominent figure in raising awareness about Armenian history and uh, issues. And on that note, we know to, we go to another music break, uh, not, not, least, not less than Charles Aznavour. Yeah, so that was not Charles Aznavour. Uh, that was... Uh, that was Serge Tankian uh, singing Artsakh. Sorry for the mistake. We had a little uh, oopsie while naming the files. <laughs> uh, yes, so I mentioned Serge Tankian, a singer of System of a Down, uh, who was really active on social medias to raise awareness on uh, what's going on in Armenia. Yes, but we're going to continue on the note of the diaspora and having here in the studio with us a member from the diaspora, we felt like we needed to make the most out of re this resource uh, that we have. So uh, it, this this is going to be a little interview uh, to Elizabeth. And my first question, per very broad, but I would still like to hear your answer, is what does it mean to be Armenian? Um, so being Armenian to me uh, is about carrying a rich, uh, ancient heritage that has survived through centuries. It's about being part of a legacy as our identity is deeply connected to our history, including the Armenian genocide, of course, which has had a profound impact, I would say, on our collective consciousness. Um, and would you say that the Armenian identity differs from being, for example, Swedish or French? And it's so like, in, in what way? Or do you feel like it's both? Or like, how, how do you feel about it? Um, I think what might uh, set it apart from being Swedish or French is the deep sense of a shared history I mentioned and the collective memory of survival that exists among uh, Armenians. The Armenian experience is heavily marked by the struggle uh, for recognition and preservation of our heritage, something that might not be as central to Swedish or French identity. So I am guessing that this is partly one of the reasons why uh, it is extra important to preserve Armenian identity. Is that right? Because yeah. there is this like shared experience of the genocide in the beginning of the 20th century and the continued conflicts even even now. Exactly. It's about preserving Armenian identity uh, because our ancestors struggled to keep it. It's about keeping our language, traditions, stories alive for future generations and make Armenian culture survive. I see. And with that in mind, would you say that you are a French Armenian or an Armenian living in France? <laughs> 
That's a tricky question, uh, but I would say I feel a French-Armenian. Uh, I wanted uh, to balance and embrace these two rich cultures in my life, uh, appreciating how they complement uh, each other. Um, however, the solidarity of the Armenian community I was raised in creates a particular sense of belonging uh, in me. I see our our final question. Are there any certain characteristics or symbols that are especially important in Armenian culture? Yes, so many. Uh, for example, the Armenian cross, which is called a khachkar. So it's a cross uh, that is um, graved in the in a stone. Uh, it is a significant symbol representing faith and heritage. Uh, our cuisine also with dishes such as tolma and lavash um, tells the story of the land and its people. Uh, music and dances like the traditional kochari play a big role in celebrations and gatherings. Uh, in the Armenian language itself, which is uh, pretty unique, Uh, and marker of our identity. And uh, I could end with uh, the pomegranates uh, because Rasmus Kanbeck uh, that uh, Sherstin interviewed had an interesting anecdote about it. Uh, pomegranates are a deeply symbolic fruit in Armenian culture uh, with its numerous seeds. Uh, the fruit is seen in Armenian culture as a symbol of fertility and abundance. Uh, it also represents life, eternity, and resilience in uh, various conditions uh, which resonate with the Armenian spirits to uh, to survive. Thank you, Elizabeth. You are listening to Radio UF. And that was Charles Nabour uh, singing with Sedas Nabour. Uh, they were singing Yes Kurintm. Chimkiri. <laughs> a bit complicated to say. <laughs> yes. And with that, we close the chapter on the diaspora and move on to the future. Um, so what happens now? And we interviewed uh, Rasmus and Maria and we asked them both what their insights were. Um, and uh, we spoke about it for quite a few minutes, but this is uh, the highlights that we chose for the a uh, short time we have uh so but but uh, but the armenian side um i don't know if they failed no uh, they they probably failed in some sense i mean they yeah. they failed because uh, there are no armenians left in nagorno karabakh no. there's no peace deal on the table so the conflict is still on mm. uh and the international community mm. It's a big failure. <laughs> yeah, I see. Yeah. I see yeah. your point. Yeah. And linking to this, uh, my final question will be, uh, what do you think is the future for Nagorno-Karabakh? What uh, will happen after everything? I mean, from a juridical point of view, they will uh, continue discussing the uh, the right to return for the, um, the Armenians in Nagorno-Karabakh and yeah. so on. Uh, it won't happen, probably. Um The, uh, to be honest, there will be no Nagorno-Karabakh. It? it will be a historic region uh, in I five see. years or ten years. We will talk about it as the former Nagorno-Karabakh, hmm. probably, uh, which is the Azerbaijan side. It's a big failure. Um, as for the conflict between Armenia and Azerbaijan, 
there's nobody believing that even a peace deal will stop the conflict. No. Uh, but, but what we've seen the last two months is that the attacks from Azerbaijani's side towards Armenia, mm. they have basically stopped. Um, so we're a bit in, the, as a social anthropologist, we're talking about liminal spaces, yeah. somewhere in between gray zones. Kind yeah. of. So um, uh, it's, it's, it's about rituals, really. So when you're entering a church and you're going um, and, and, and you're getting married, uh, if uh, this is a liminal space because somebody can say no by the altar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if both says yes, then the ritual is finished. If, yeah. the, if somebody says no, then it's damaged. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is what's happening right now in, the, uh, uh, in this narrative as well. That oh. we are in a liminal space where the international community is try, kind of trying to, f- to find a new position on Azerbaijan. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and we will see if it fails or not. And probably, you know, this will fail. Yeah. And I, I believe that the conflict is not gone yet. But will, how would you describe the situation in the current situation now for the refugees? Would you say that it's like a humanitarian crisis or uh, something that the world really needs to pay attention trying to solve? I would say that on one hand there is a humanitarian crisis, but on, on the other hand it's amazing how well the Armenian state managed to take care of these people at least and uh, the problem is that there is a lot of uh, anxiety among Armenians in general in Armenia but also the refugees that Azerbaijan will not be uh, content with with, uh, Nagorno-Karabakh that they will try to, to take more Armenian well, real Armenian land. And it's also because in Armenia, there is like three islands, enclaves, which belong to Azerbaijan. They have been there since uh, the breakup of Soviet Union. And uh, there are those who worry that the war will continue with uh, Azerbaijan trying to take Armenian land in order to get those enclaves incorporated in Azerbaijan sort of geographically, because now to get there, you have to go through Armenia to get to those islands within Armenia. And that there is uh, a risk of destabilization of Armenia proper. This is the big worry, more actually than uh, the fate of the refugees, because as I said, uh, they, they are poor. It's a poor country, but uh, they have helped on on every level it's not the state basically that helped the refugees the most it's more private and the voluntary uh, volunteers who helped the most you're listening to radio f Thank you for listening to Radio UF. This was Heros Tarer Kemer by Arame, which is a famous Armenian singer. And uh, this song is actually in memory of all the soldiers that lost their lives um, by combating Azerbaijan to protect Nagorno-Karabakh. Such a beautiful song. Uh, and earlier, 
we listened to what Rasmus Kambeg and Maria Persson Lovgren's opinion was on the future of Nagorno-Karabakh. And I would like to also make an etymological point on why we decided to name this episode the decline of Artsakh and the rest of Nagorno-Karabakh. And this is because Artsakh is how many Armenians refer to the region. And it is, it comes from Armenian and it is named after a great Armenian king. And Nagorno-Karabakh means uh, black, black field, land. exactly black land uh, in Azeri. Uh, or it's a Russian interpretation of the Azeri word. Uh, complicated with languages. <laughs> But in any case, um, this is because... Uh, Everybody we spoke to while making this episode thought that there was uh, no way of uh, Armenians returning to their motherland because all the churches have been destroyed because uh, there is nobody left. And uh, in our own little discussion on the future, what happens now? Uh, can Do you think, do you agree or disagree, Elizabeth, that the Armenians can return? Well, it's really difficult to answer to that, but I think the return of displaced Armenians to Nagorno-Karabakh depends on a number of factors, uh, such as political agreements between Armenia and Azerbaijan, which is still <laughs> pretty far, uh, security guarantees for returnees and the rebuilding, of course, of in infrastructures and homes that were destroyed during the conflict. And in the current situation, Azeri strengthened its control over the whole region and certainly won't be open to negotiate with Armenians. Uh, so the return of Armenians will only depend on their own strength uh, to come back one day and fight Aliyev's regime. Um, but it's really difficult to say. Yeah. Um, and another thing that really got me thinking is that... Uh, It looks more than what happened in Narsakh uh, was more the beginning of something else and that uh, there are elements that may think that the other unfrozen conflicts in the regions will not in the region will not be so frozen anymore. Um, do you think there's a risk for this happening somewhere else uh, concerning Armenia? Uh, unfortunately, yes. I think this was just the beginning of their project to erase little by little Armenians from the region. And as mentioned in the last episode, um, Azerbaijan then wants to attack uh, the southern uh, sovereign territory of Armenia with the aim of potentially join um, its territory to Turkey. And in fact, Azerbaijan is already cultivating this project with the Zangezur uh, corridor. And we also heard uh, Rasmus say about all the hate campaign that there is against Armenia. So I think that more attention should be given to this conflict. More attention should be given to what's happening because history, unfortunately, tends to repeat itself. And there have been alarm signs. And um, I mean, this us making this program is your little contribution to keep the conversation around the subject alive. And... With that say, we're going to another music break. You're listening to Radio UF. You're listening to Radio UF. Uh, this was Artsakh by Sevak. Thank you. And we have reached the end of the second episode on uh, the conflict on Nagorno-Karabakh. 
Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. We certainly enjoyed making them. Uh, it's the biggest project we've done so far. We interviewed so many people. We, uh, so we are really proud, and I hope we hope that you liked it too. Um, and as a reminder, we went through the historical background and the geopolitical interests um, involved in very big actors. Uh, in the first episode and on this episode we spoke about the implications, uh, the destruction of culture, the role of the diaspora. We listened to really nice songs and uh, we also made some hypothesis of what we think is the future for Nagorno-Karabakh. And uh, Elizabeth prepared a very beautiful poem in Armenian Um And before you read it, Elizabeth, can you tell us briefly what it is about? Yeah, uh, so this poem is uh, first called Hayots Lezun by uh, Hovane Shiraz, which is a famous uh, poet, uh, Armenian poet. And this uh, poem is basically about how important it is to keep alive the Armenian language, the Armenian culture, uh, if you don't cherish it, like... How do you want to make the Armenian culture survive in the future? So, And this was a poem I presented when I was about 10 or 11 years old at, um, at a big uh, concourse uh, in Switzerland. So I'm going to read it right now. Mesrop mashtots nasats vortis. Elinchoves huise bertis. Elhaidenikin chuyekar. Tepit hoses otar lesvo. Chames hayots ginin nektar, genats kanches otar lesvo, kages hayots varter nuhes, archik kanches otar lesvo, irav kanilezugites, ein kan martes irav nasin, bei zvorko hai lesunchunes, elinchuises komasisin, vortoreles komairenin, haramekes hayots ginin, haramekes archik hayots, Hayotsirte masis hayots. Mar hayreninel inch sartov kovot kernel grkevartov. Ah, che, masis halalekes. Hayots vestum du merchunes. Halalekes horn hayreni. Torkes journal darnagini. Kanzi hayots weispurkum. Pandahutune der pokum. Hay beranit hayots lezum. Otarn hayots mahneuzum. Batsnahaye. Vorhovazi, Arnachum Yerachumnel, Ir Maireni Lesvov Hosi, Morkatihet Zatz Lesvov, Vorhaigetet Zovzenitzov, Jorumel Babeloni, Hosi Lesvov, Ir Maireni, Hayots Lesvov, Vormish Jahel, Mesbur Darer, Hayepahel. And this was Brady UF. See you next week. Music.